Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture every Tuesday, okay? I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, the show that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice so that you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin. And over the years, I've learned that there's no such thing as a conflict-free work environment. But what I've recently come to understand is that disagreements can actually be super helpful and healthy. The key is learning how to have healthy disagreements. That's why we've invited mindset coach Amina Altai back on the show to talk more about conflict, like the common ways it shows up and why our emotions around conflict are often reflective of our shadows. Plus, Amina gets me to talk about the things that really annoy me the most with people at work. So get ready for that. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Amina Altai is a holistic leadership and mindset coach, and you might remember her from a past episode where she taught us how to overcome the frozen middle, which is a term used to describe middle management. Now Amina is back to talk about another tough work term, (laughs) conflict, which I know a lot of people are probably like, I just tried to do everything I can to avoid that. But the reality is that emotions do show up everywhere at work. And the way we respond to conflict, as Amina says, is often reflective of our shadow. So Amina, I just have a lot of questions. And first, I want to start with like, what is a shadow? Because I think a lot of people probably are thinking, okay, this dark thing on the ground that follows me, how does that have anything to do with work? But this is an actual concept. So can you describe it a little bit? Yeah. So this is a concept that, and it's a term that was coined by Carl Jung, who is a Swiss psychoanalyst. And he referred to the shadow as the quote unquote dark side of our personality. Now that sounds kind of ominous and it's not. So essentially what he meant and what he means by this is that 
as humans, we're all the entire spectrum of human emotion. And we grow up in family systems, cultures, and subcultures that celebrate particular ways of being and renounce other ways of being. So in my family system, for example, uh, we really celebrated people being easy or people pleasing. And if you were really outspoken or loud, you were quote unquote difficult. So I learned that, you know, really projecting my voice or asking for what I needed made me quote unquote difficult. So that became my shadow. And we all have aspects of this in our lives. And so that shadow follows follows us around everywhere in our lives until we meet it head on. And we say, how am I going to really integrate this shadow so that it's not something that is just rearing its head every time I'm experiencing some difficulties? So is that the case? It, It usually comes out when you're uncomfortable, you're unhappy, you're sad, like it comes out with a negative emotion or a negative feeling? I find that we meet our shadows big time in work. And I think a lot of it is because we can't be fully expressed in lots of ways. So we tend to hold back on certain things and then it creates this volcano inside of us, right? When we're unexpressed, it's like, we're burying something, we're burying something, we're burying something. And like that volcano, all this pressure builds around it. And then eventually we erupt in some way or another. Yeah. And so like in work for me, what it looked like was I kept finding the boss or finding the coworker that was really self-promotional and outspoken around their own work. And because that was my shadow, I was bumping up against it. And it was like really rubbing up against me. And I was kind of meeting these sharp edges around it until I sat down and asked myself, why is this so bothersome to me? Like, it's so wonderful that these people actually can promote themselves and use their voice. Why do I have such a problem with it? And then I found the origin story of that. And then once we find the origin story, we can really start to integrate. And I know this is different because I'm an entrepreneur, but one of my shadows definitely pops up. I feel like is when I, I see people like copying our work or doing like maybe not a flat out copy because people are too smart to maybe do something word for word, although that has happened, but people who pretty much copy it and like my shadow comes out big time because I feel very protective over like the hard work that our team puts in and like, I've noticed that about myself as uh, my shadow is like very protective. It's almost like uh, maybe someone wasn't loyal to me or something as a growing up or something. I don't know. Like I should look more into this, but I've noticed like my shadow comes out more as it, as it relates to other people almost. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I, it's probably actually not shocking because I did a strengths test for one of these episodes and my number one was empathy. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm very concerned about, other people's emotions. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm curious now, how do you feel about inauthenticity? Like I do not like it. No, no, that does not jive well for me. I, and I think to your point, I think the thing about the shadow and like when I noticed the copying is like, that's my issue is like that person doesn't have any experience in that, or they're not authentic about that, or they, you know, they're just taking someone else's words and regurgitating it. And so it's like, well, you're, Yes. To your point, like, okay, I'll just use like a recruiter, for example, and they want to give all these resume tips, but they've never actually made a resume and applied for a job and gone through an interview process. Like it kind of drives me. And that's like one example. There's thousands on the internet, people who are experts in something that they've never done (laughs) like that. You can see my shadow is like already coming out. (laughs) I'm like, I can't. Yeah. So to your point, I do not like inauthenticity. 
Yeah, there's something big there for you around authenticity. And for me too. <laughs> that rubs me the wrong way as well. I feel yeah. you. Yeah, that's probably probably normal. But it's it's interesting because my shadow, I feel like, comes out a little bit more almost like for other people. But I guess that that can happen, right? So your shadow or the conflict at work that maybe you could also be uncomfortable with could be watching two other people have conflict. Yeah. Well, so kind of going back to what you were saying before, it's like what we judge in other people, we're judging in ourselves. Yeah. We wouldn't be able to judge it in them if we weren't judging it in ourselves. So the fact that I had a problem with somebody being really outspoken or loud and in their power was because I was judging myself for that because I was taught that that was quote unquote, not appropriate. So like we do kind of judge it in others first as we're judging it in ourselves, but we can obviously observe something like as a third party bystander and also have uncomfortable feelings about it. And it can be connected to our shadow too. Yeah. Um, what are, what are the common types of workplace conflict? Like your clients come to you or even your own experiences, what would you say are the top three to five reasons why people have conflict in the workplace? So I coach a lot of really amazing high achieving women and a lot of them are kind of first onlys in difference. So they're kind of at the forefront of their industry. There aren't a lot of women, maybe they're a woman of color or, or some other marginalized identity. And so they're a first in many ways. And I think one of the most challenging pieces and things that we see a lot is not getting appropriate credit for their work or people taking credit for it or yeah, not allowing them to stand fully in their shine. I think that's a really big one. Yeah. I think that's absolutely one. Another workplace, common workplace conflict I see is around communication. Like this person speaks that language, that person speaks that language, and you are not trying to, you know, become bilingual for each other. And I don't mean this literally with languages. I mean, this with like communication styles. And I also think you had mentioned something about bosses in the workplace. I think there is a lot of like managing up and not a lot of managing down, uh, which can be communication. It could be a whole slew of, of types of workplace conflict. Like, and and with workplace conflict, I mean, just to make sure we're kind of on the same page with people before we get into tips on how they can kind of deal with it. What would you say, how do you know you're at the conflict stage versus just annoyed with a person? (laughs) Yeah. So that's a really great question. And one of my first tips, and we'll get into this more, is really looking at our side of the street as well. So even before we go into a conversation and we're navigating conflict, I think it's really important that we check in with ourselves every step of the way to be like, oh, is this my shadow? Is this some of my stuff? So I think it's really important that we're checking in every step to just clean up any residue or you know, we're often looking through the lens of our lived experience. So if we've had challenges around this particular area in the past, chances are that we're feeling a little extra prickly around it. So I think it's really important that we understand what's ours before we're really in that conversation or in that conflict about it being both people's. Mm, mm, Because conflict is both people, right? Yeah. (laughs) Whereas like maybe you're in a conflict actually with yourself, but (laughs) you're decide you're you're also making up the narr like the narrative of the other person too, (laughs) right? Exactly. We have no idea. We can't read their minds for good reason. Yes. Yes. I want to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, Ana Luisa. Ana Luisa is home to sustainably crafted jewelry that brings joy to those who wear them and to those who make them. With their simple yet stunning pieces, Ana Luisa gives you all of the building blocks of your accessory wardrobe. They've got earrings, necklaces, rings, and bracelets that look great with any outfit. Prices start at $39 and you can get 20% off with their summer sale going on right now. I personally recommend that you check out their earrings. I love their simple yet classic look. 
Whether you're into natural pearl earrings, delicate and chic gold studs, or eye-catching gold hoop earrings, they've got it all and more. Plus, all of their pieces are earth conscious. That's actually one of my favorite things about Ana Luisa. Every piece is consciously beautiful, meaning their collections are released in limited run small batches each Friday to ensure highest production standards and eliminate excess waste. Their designs are intuitive and thoughtful, simple pleasures to look at and live in. And again, you can shop all of these beautiful pieces 20% off with their summer sale going on right now. I absolutely recommend checking out Ana Luisa. As I mentioned before, their prices start at $39. And if you go to our special females link, you can get 20% off their products right now. So you just go to shop.analuisa.com backslash females sun sun, you know, like the sun for the summer uh, to learn more. So uh, one more time, that's shop. Dot Anna Luisa, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com slash females, F-E-M-A-I-L-S, sun, S-U-N. So there's two S's there to learn more. Once again, that's shop dot A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com slash F-E-M-A-I-L-S-S-U-N to shop their summer sale going on right now. All right, now let's get back to the show. Let's get into your five strategies for dealing with workplace conflict because there's a lot of it out there. I would say one of the most popular topics or reasons why people come to Career Contessa is because of toxic workplaces. And so conflict is usually a part of a toxic workplace. And one of the ways that um, I think people... I'm worried because I sometimes think we're going to get to this place where everything is always toxic and there's always conflict. But I, it's like, but that there is a difference, right? There is a, a difference between truly a toxic workplace and a workplace where it's like, yes, you just have to manage and work with people who are different than you, who do things differently than you. And that's just, in my opinion, part of life. So these are kind of more on the tips of th- that side uh, versus, okay, this is truly toxic. You need to leave like there's no amount of tips and strategies that can help. So let's go. Your first tip is about making peace with conflict. So a lot of people probably would describe themselves as people pleasers. I know that a lot of people also like to say, I avoid conflict. I don't deal with conflict. It's not for me. And then you get the opposite end of the spectrum, the people who are like, I hit it head on. So let's let's go with your first tip and, and talk about that or the first step. Yeah. Wait, before I jump in, I just want to go back to some of the things you said, because I think they were really profound and I want to underscore them. Mm -hmm. It's that, yes, conflict can happen inside of ourselves. It can happen with another person. And it doesn't mean that the environment is necessarily toxic. A toxic environment is a whole different thing. And those behaviors show up as, you know, gossiping, bias, things that are really egregious. And so Mm -hmm. conflict really is a part of life. And I think the big piece is that so many of us have these negative connotations with conflict, that it somehow means that we are bad or not good at our job or it's inappropriate, but it means that we have differences in opinions and it's an opportunity to understand the other person's side without bringing all of our stuff into it, all of our material into it so that we can really understand where they're coming from. They can understand where we're coming from and we can get to a place that's in service of both of our careers and the organization. So making peace with the conflict is actually in a way kind of a good thing because it means that you're going to be able to grow and understand or maybe even just not spend so much energy in this thing that could easily be cleared up too. I mean, I think a, a lot about like how much time and energy people waste on conflict that 
may or may not be there, conflict that could be resolved fairly quickly, right? Yeah, yes. And I think that, so like I said before, so many of us fear conflict, but if we think about our interpersonal relationships, whether it's partnership or our friends, you know, there are going to be moments where we don't agree. And, you know, oftentimes in those types of relationships, we don't fear it in the same way that we might fear it in a work context. But it really is about honesty, right? And truthfulness. If we're avoiding the conflict, are we really in a truthful conversation? No, there's something that we're walking around. Mm -hmm. Why are we walking around that thing? Because it means something for us. So we want to just get in right relationship with the meaning for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And it goes back to what you said originally, which is, being able to, there's more conflict at work because people don't feel like they get to be the 100% them there, right? They they feel like they've got to kind of be the, the professional version of themselves. Right. Okay. So step number two is about seek to understand not to be right, which I know you just kind of touched on a little bit, but can you elaborate about the <laughs> the goals not to be a right. I, my my mom likes to joke that my sister and I can sometimes be right fighters with her. That you know we're 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 gonna keep the conflict going until you admit we're right, <laughs> which I would highly disagree with. But whatever, <laughs> of course. Well, that's a great example. Mm -hmm. So, and I've totally done this in the past too. Is that oftentimes when we're coming into a conflict, we feel wronged, and we feel like the whole point of this fierce conversation, quote unquote, is to be righted. And that's really not the essence of it, right? We want to come in and understand the other person's point of view, because when we, when we do, we see that there's often so much commonality. And so it really is an opportunity for us to get clear and kind of release this need for right or wrong, right? There's righteousness in that of like, I'm right, you're wrong. That doesn't help us. Mm -hmm. And so when we release that piece, we start to see the material that's really there. So can you give me an example of if you were approaching someone that you were kind of having a conflict with, uh, mm -hmm. approaching them via Slack or over a Zoom or maybe even in person now, is that how you would start the conversation? Like, hey, I, I'd really like to understand where you're coming from on this or like is is understand really a key word in, in approaching or starting the conversation with the other person? I think questions are really key. So going into coaching versus statements or declarations. So if we go in and we're like, you did this thing wrong, or I was wronged by you in this way, that person's automatically going to be on the defensive. But if we go in with curiosity and questioning, we get to understand their point of view and their side of the street as well. And there mm -hmm. might be this whole body of work that we've missed. We already have these assumptions when we come in. So the questioning allows us to get clear. And when we leave with curiosity, we're not as accusatory and that person's less defensive. Yeah. I was going to say, I think this comes down a lot to your tone of voice. And this is why I'm kind of personally a fan of conflict being either in person or over Zoom because you get tone, right. you get body language, you get a lot more things that you don't get on you know, a Slack or Microsoft yeah. Teams or whatever tool people are using. Step three is understand your role. So do you mean like your job title role? So in conflict, it's a dance. We all have a part to play in it. It's very rarely entirely one person's quote unquote fault or experience. We have a role to play in it. And, you know, I believe in radical personal accountability, not to say that everything is our fault or everything's in our control, but I think there's an opportunity for us to look at our behavior, look at our language, look at our tone, look at the way that we're moving through the world and ask ourselves, did I do this in the cleanest way? Was there something in here? Is there something for me to learn about the way that I moved through this? So really getting clear on our role in the conflict and if we brought something to the table so we can be really conscious of it moving forward. 
Do you find when you're working with clients that when they're dealing with conflict at work, for example, it's the uh, the person on the other end, because of course, not your clients, that it's it's like someone else's fault or it's like it's other people. It's never them. It's all because I find that a lot, especially in our like Instagram DMs, people will talk about how like, you know, I work with this person and they never take responsibility for the fact that like they messed up with this. Like there seems to be, there are, at least it seems to me that people think like that person can never admit that they're wrong or that they played a role in the conflict. Is that pretty common? So, yeah. So in that example that you gave me about the DMs, that person said, or that hypothetical person said, you know, they never, right. So anytime we're in absolutes, usually that's not a hundred percent the truth, right? Things are rarely a hundred percent of the time, right? So never always, that's clear indication that we might be skewed a little bit. And so I'll gently kind of tread around this of like, let's play devil's advocate here. You know, you know, could you have had, or could there have been an experience where they misunderstood what you were saying? Like, is there a way for us to look at your role? So I think that there's a way to like gently sort of peel back the layers and invite people into the conversation of it might not entirely be this other person's fault, quote unquote, but yeah, usually it comes in very one-sided in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your next strategy for dealing with workplace conflict is to know your shadow. So how do people do the work to understand what is my shadow? What are my triggers? What are the emotions that follow that? Like, what is the hard work so that you can articulate like you did in the very beginning, what your shadows are? Yeah. In my, one of my client intake questionnaires, the first question I ask is what are the three things that annoy you most about other people? So that's a <laughs> quick way to get indicated <laughs> somebody's shadow. Um, and then if you want to do deeper work on it, there's a beautiful book. It's called the dark side of the light chasers. It's kind of introduction to shadow and it has all of these really great exercises in it. And it's, it's very much a workbook and you don't have to do the whole thing at once. You can kind of go chapter by chapter, but it's a really great way to kind of dip your toe into shadow, understand what it is, what it looks like for you. And the big thing is, it's like never to berate ourselves or demonize ourselves or judge ourselves around this. Everybody has areas where they feel a little prickly, where they judge themselves and they judge others. And we just want to get clear on ours so that we can come into dynamics feeling a little bit more whole and less reactive. Mm-hmm. It'd be really interesting to see like a team do this. For example, I know like we do a lot of like strengths tests and personality tests on teams. It'd be really interesting if a manager out, like supported a team saying, go out there and figure out what your shadow is. Maybe you don't have to share it with the group, but like carving out the time to do that kind of work because I feel like workplaces would be better off if people kind of knew like, here are the three things that annoy me most about people. Why do the, those annoy me, right? Like there's kind of that step one, but the step two of understanding why it annoys you is really, really important. What are some examples people give in those intake forms? I'm just curious. Like I know mine is like the copy or the inauthenticity. Yeah, I, I would say another thing that really annoys me are people who are coasters, people who are like always busy, but they're never doing work. I remember I worked with this person once where I was like, you don't do anything here. <laughs> like you just manage up, you don't do anything. And all of us are like, you know, working really hard. And so I don't know what part of that of my shadow is, but like, I'm just curious, what are some other examples that people give in those take, intake forms? Yeah. So laziness comes up a lot again, because I work with high achieving women yeah. who are doing so much work. So laziness tends to bother people like being braggadocious, kind of the extreme end of that trait, like being cheap. I've seen come up quite a few times. Yeah. It really does run the spectrum. I'm trying to think of the most interesting one that I've ever seen. 
Yeah. I don't know. Nothing comes to mind, but those are kind of the, the three that I see a lot. I I remember I also worked with someone who like something was always going wrong. Like I remember that was something that annoyed me. I'm like, how is it possible that like you've always experienced the worst thing that's ever happened to a person? Like every story you have is like the worst, the worst, the worst, you know? Yeah. So man, I feel like I'm really letting my shadow side come out in this podcast interview. <laughs> but, um, but it's interesting because the other thing people could do for this to determine their shadows, they could just watch their behavior for a month or two weeks probably. And you might come across like, oh, that thing seems to really be irking me and then write it down um, if you don't know right, right off the bat, right? Exactly. Where are we judging others and therefore judging ourselves? Mm-hmm. Okay. So step number five for dealing with workplace conflict is learn how to give and receive feedback. We are about to have an entire episode on how to do this because it's so hard. And I actually asked our Instagram audience the other day, yesterday about feedback. And most people never get feedback from their boss. It's never specific. So <laughs> this is a bit of a doozy for a step, but like, how do people learn how to give and receive that's a huge part of this too. receive feedback correctly. Yeah. So it's so interesting that your Instagram community said that because I've seen that in the data too. So the Neuroleadership Institute published a study where they were showing that everybody wants feedback and nobody wants to give it. Yeah. And people want it because like feedback is a very generous thing. It allows us to be better. It allows us to grow. But a lot of us feel like there isn't psychological safety around giving it. Yes. So one of the most important pieces is, well, one, to really have a framework for giving feedback and to know that there is a really healthy and generous way to give it. And there's a less healthy and less generous way to give it. (laughs) So naming that first and foremost, and we want to create psychological safety around feedback. And so there's small things like when we're giving constructive feedback, we want to give it in private. So it's less of a call out, more of a call in, and they feel more psychological safety around it. When there's positive feedback, we want to give that in public as well. So that lifts people up in community and then just having a format for it so that, you know, we're not just venting and that it's actionable and that we give context around it. We point to specific behaviors and feedback can be both positive and constructive. Feedback isn't just negative, which I think, again, is sort of a connotation around like, well, it's all this one way and maybe there's conflict in it and I avoid it because it feels scary and big. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I think people avoid giving feedback because they think it's going to be met with conflict. And I know sometimes my challenge has been not work-wise, but like in my personal life, if I give this person feedback, I feel like I have to have this like Supreme Court logic behind like why that's the feedback that I'm giving. Like it almost feels like they're immediately going to come back at you like, well, why? Or show me when, like the proof or something like that. And it's like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like like I agree it needs to be specific, but sometimes I feel like you almost don't want to do that because you feel like you're just going to be met with the conflict of like peppering with more questions and it's going to turn into something more than what you intended it to be. Um, it's really, so you know you mentioned like a healthy way to also receive feedback. And I think that's the really big challenge too, is like so many people want feedback, but then once they get it, sometimes their reaction doesn't doesn't send the message to the other person that like, I appreciate the feedback or this is helpful because it kind of feels like, okay, now we've, now we're in conflict and we weren't five minutes ago. Right. Yeah. It's what we make it mean. Right. So if we're really clear from the beginning that the intent of the feedback is not to make anybody right or wrong, but it's intended for our growth and for a more seamless work experience. I think that helps a little bit too, but that doesn't mean that once we receive it, we're not going to feel some type of way about it. So an example from my own life, but I have a bunch of worksheets on my site and it's like different ones, like from how to give feedback to mm-hmm. how to plan your ideal work week. And 
after I send that out, I send a note that's like, hey, we love feedback. Like, give us feedback. How was this for you? And somebody recently sent me feedback and was like, I do not like this workweek planner. Like, this was not helpful. Like, I like this was not great. And it was so interesting for me. And at first, you know, I was like, oh, I feel sad about that. Like, we, we should have done better. Like, yeah. there's some shame around it. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, right? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, this is such a generous gift. If, if this person's feeling this way, likely other people are feeling this way. This is an opportunity for me to level up the product that I'm giving. So once I looked at those initial feelings and was like, okay, I can lovingly look at them and move them out of the way. And now I can get to making this better. Mm-hmm. And we just redid it. And it is so much better. And I'm very yeah. grateful for that person. <laughs> I'm curious your thoughts on cancel culture. Do you think that has played a role in people not wanting to give feedback or people like their feelings around giving and receiving feedback. Cause it feels like anything you say and do is like up to be canceled or some, I don't know. I'm like kind of far reaching with this. I'm not totally sure where I'm going with the question other than to say like, do you think cancel culture is making people just be like, then I'm just not going to do this anymore or not going to talk about this or share my thoughts on whatever, because anything can be used against you in a way. Yeah. So such an interesting question. So I've actually done a lot of work around cancel culture. I work with a partner organization called Inspire Justice, and I've um, supported them in transformative justice work, which is taking women who've been canceled through a transformative justice process to take accountability and make amends to the people that they've harmed. And it's very, there is no villain victim binary. I don't believe in that. Somebody's not all good or all bad, right? We are all the entire spectrum of human emotions. So that's really important. But I do think that some of the ramifications of cancel culture, particularly for women, is that they are less apt to start businesses or put themselves out there because they're concerned about that. Yeah. I think, have you heard of the, the term, the glass cliff? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure you have. <laughs> this is your space. This is your space. <laughs> so, but yeah, so for those of you that are listening that don't know, so obviously glass ceiling is a term that we've heard of, right? That ceiling that's placed on top of us that sometimes we feel we can't push past. The glass cliff refers to when... Um, in organizations, they have led a particular type of way, then they're in a challenging moment and they think, well, we need somebody different. We need something different in terms of leadership and something different or somebody different usually is a woman. And so they put this woman in this challenging moment and usually they're not set up for success and it pushes us off a glass cliff. Mm-hmm. And I do think that we're in a moment that feels a lot like glass cliffs for women. And I do think that that does impact our ability to give and receive feedback in a way that feels safe. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. And I'm happy you're doing that work because I think it's really important. And I understand the cancel culture. And there are certainly a lot of very inappropriate and wrong things that have happened. I just, I would like to see, to your point about giving feedback, you can't just have it be like a venting session. It's sort of like, what happens next? How do you move forward with that? And that's sometimes I think, and look, that's not the like, piece that's going to make PR headlines, right? Because it's not very juicy to be like, okay, well, how is that person moving on and taking accountability? It's way more juicy to see something that they wrote inappropriately in a Slack. Like that's just unfortunately human nature and how it's uh, of the interest. So, but I think these are really good tips because at the end of the day, you are going to deal with workplace conflict. And back to your first point, we probably see conflict happen more in the workplace than anywhere else. And I I think your reasoning is spot on because we don't feel like we get to be a hundred percent our authentic self. There are rules. There are, um, there is fear. There is the, the fact that it, you know, jobs can be taken away, you know? So there are some things like very legitimate reasons why I think workplace conflict does show up more often. 
with all those emotions. So these are some great tips. I'm going to have people want to follow you, check out your work, just, you know, maybe work one-on-one with you, like share where they can find you and do all that. Thank you, Lauren. So you can find me at AminaAltai.com or on Instagram at AminaAltai. The spelling will be in the show notes. Don't worry. And I uh, all enrollment for one-on-one coaching and group coaching is open now. So if any of you all have been thinking about it and now feels like the time, I would love to meet you all in a consult. Amazing. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider leaving us a review. Your reviews help our show get discovered by new people. And we just really, really appreciate all the feedback in the reviews as well. If you want to learn more about Amina and her work, including just the spelling of her name, the past episode that she was on, it's all in the show notes. And if you're ready to master your interpersonal communication skills, check out our online course, Interpersonal Communication 101 in the show notes. Your enrollment gets you lifetime access to the course, a workbook, and step-by-step video tutorials that will help you craft 12 of the most valuable interpersonal skills for work. 